Welcome back to Crisis the Cure. My name is Anthony, and I will be your host for today. Today's topic is God's love and things related to God's love. Um, we are going to take the angle, the perspective of looking at some difficult questions related to God's love, and that's kind of the angle I wanted to come in and, and do some research and talk about. Naturally, in talking about God's love, we're only going to scratch the surface, and we're going to end up also talking about other things like uh, God's favor and God's hatred, just scratching the surface. Um, the topic is just, it's endless. It really is an endless study. And um, this particular episode, God has really used it to uh, to grow me and in, in my study and research. Uh, it's been eye-opening, to say the least. So sorry if I go down any rabbit holes. I'll apologize ahead of time. I will try to stay on track here. Really, I will. <laughs> Um, so there have been varying, uh, I think, views, uh, obviously, throughout the course of time, unbiblical and extreme views, I will say, of of who God really is. And that's from, you know, I think within the, quote, Christian community, as well as obviously unbelievers. Um, and you hear all the time, God is an apoplectic killjoy being of some sort, or he's just love. God is all love, right, in the yoga sense. Hey, <laughs> um, And that always, because God is love lead to heaven. Uh, and that's clearly not what uh, what Scripture teaches us. Um, so uh, I think that we'll want to uh, look at these types of questions that um, come from that those, those notions, like, does God love everyone the same? How can a loving God allow pain and hurt, suffering, devastation, you know, in, in, in this life? If God loves the world, how come he only chooses to save some and not everybody? And I think an- another one I've heard is, uh, if God's nature is to love, how can he be, he be so full of you know this, this rage and wrath and judgment towards sinners? And we've all heard these types of questions, and, and clearly, uh, you know, the folks that are that are asking these types of questions, they're they're asking in a kind of a defensive way. I think a lot of times, and a lot of times, maybe you know, it's they're sincere questions, questions that I I, I know that I've had. Um, I'm sure that you guys have had as well. Um, so I think when we get into the topic, as we get into the topic, we can start uh, addressing some of the different points within all that list of of questions. That being said, um, you know. Answers to the previous questions aren't easy. Period. Um, God has chosen not to reveal all, you know, all the answers completely to man, but He's revealed one thing, or more than one thing. But ultimately, His nature is His loving, His loving character, um, His perfect, perfect nature, and uh, who He is through His Word. And we can trust and rely on Him because. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change. So um, it is God's very nature to love. And through scripture, it shows us the reason to proclaim God is love, a God of love, and that God does love the sinner. Clearly, he loves the sinner. And I know there, there are views, extreme views on that. But you can look at 2 Corinthians 13, 11. He is called, he is called the God of love. And um, I'm sorry, 1 John 4, 8, the, the Bible says, God is love. So there's no question about it. Divine, His divine love, it's just, it's an amazing attribute of God. One we can't even begin to fully understand. This is part of the fabric of his spiritual essence, his being, 
And it's the much celebrated attribute because it, along with it comes you know, these amazing things, grace, goodness, kindness, mercy. I mean, from the God of the universe. In God's mercy, his grace, and his love, he sent his son to a broken, sinful world to redeem sinners. We were all, we are all sinners this side of heaven, right? And that's amazing. It, it's just a, a, an amazing love that um, even while at enmity with God, in our arrogance and our pride, God provided a way out through the cross. You know, we surrender our life to Christ. Repentance, dying to yourself daily and putting faith in Christ. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with us. I know, uh, we know, most of us know that. Uh, it all starts with believing in the Lord, Acts sixteen thirty one, and being born again, as outlined in John 3, 5 through 7. So, so just a side note, and I apologize, what I don't get is here in life, there are specific ways, actions, and procedures to reach certain goals, right? You know, accomplishing something takes discipline, and we follow that track to achieve whatever it is, whatever goal we're trying to reach. So so with heaven, getting, getting to heaven, somehow people think that there should be an, exempt, an exemption of sorts to meeting, you know, any, any prerequisite. Like God's not allowed to do that. He's, he doesn't have the right to determine the way in which one can enter into his house. I mean, think on that for a minute. It's just, it's completely, it's absurd to, to, to think that the God of all doesn't get to, to say, you know, this is how, this is the way, this is how you come into my house, you know, and somehow, you know, people think that they get the right you know, it's in this self-righteousness that they're they're saying, well, no, I'm going to do it my way. They reject Christ. They, you know, they hate God, but they expect to to go to heaven. They expect to be in the Father's house. House, you know, life doesn't even work that way. You know, it, so with a perfect and just and loving God, you know, somehow humans, you know, can expect less. It's it's just think on that. It's it's crazy. If you if you read the parable of the, the wedding garment in Matthew 22, one, uh, verses one through 14, you know, that invitation went out to all, right? Just as what the gospel, right? The gospel is available to all. We all started under the title of sinner. So, so the King in that parable, he, he provides the wedding garments for his guests. That's part of the, that was part of the culture, that Jewish culture with, you know, the, these, the, these functions, these wedding functions. God provides what? Salvation for mankind through faith in Jesus. And, you know, the, the, first, the invitation that initially went out, it, it reflects the, you know, Israel and in, in, in their rejection. And, and then the offer went out to all, to, to the Gentiles. And, you know, there was a guest that ended up, didn't have the proper attire, and he was thrown out. Just, you know, read it. It's, it really is a, it's an eye-opening parable. You get you shaking in your in your boots to coin a phrase. So um, I digress here. Let me get back on topic. Um, so it's through understanding and acknowledging, um, and this goes to the parable. I, I, and I say this: acknowledging God's just and perfect wrath, that we actually can see how amazing and infinite His love is. And what is what is the season? It's the birth of Christ. It's Christmas, right? And we see that. And, and through the death of Christ, the bottom line, you know, a, a perfect, holy, and just God cannot be in the presence of sin and wickedness. 
there needs to be a covering. And that covering being covered, you know, we're covered through the blood of Christ. It's nothing we do. And that is love. So we see through understanding God's wrath and the things that we deserve from God's wrath, what God's love looks like and how great it is. A love so great saves us from 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 judgment it's really a gross misrepresentation of god's word to teach on god's love apart from his other attributes uh, you know the issue is when man ignores all the other attributes of god and and, and they parse out uh his his attribute of love assigning you know these man-centric feelings and emotions to god's love and, and it gets us to exactly where we are today you know my my god is a god of love God loves everybody just as they are because God is love. And we see that, we see that everywhere, right? You know, uh, people, people do not ignore the attribute of, uh, of love from God. They ignore everything else. His holiness, justice, sovereignty, and what, are they, what happens when you start ignoring all of his other attributes? You create a false god. We need biblical balance in everything. And where do we get the biblical balance? Through God's word. He gave us his word out of love. So it's important to note, uh, to understand any one attribute of God, when we're looking at love, we must understand it in relation to all of his other attributes. The love of God is eternal and sovereign. The love of God is immutable and holy. That was R.C. Sproul. Love that. God's love is nothing like man's. It's infinitely greater. It's just infinitely greater. In 1 John 4, uh, 7 through 11, we see the statement with respect to the love of God. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, John isn't teaching that everyone who loves is from God. He's not. He's saying his love is from God. And that love is a Christian love. And it comes from God. It's supernatural. It's just, it's not from anything fallen humanity could, could come up with. It's, the love is not natural to our fallen state, that kind of love, that divine love. So I'm going to continue the quote from R.C. Sproul about supernatural love. Without the love, I'm sorry, without the Holy Spirit's transformation of the human heart, no one has this, uh, this capacity for love. No unregenerate person has this kind of love. No regenerate person lacks such love. Therefore, a person who does not have the ability to love in the way John describes has not been born again. So we're talking about you know, this true divine love, this Christian love, if you will. It's, you know, it's not of man. It's nothing we can conjure up, um, get into a, trance up you know about and you know it, it just cannot be attributed to man it's all 
through the Holy Spirit, through a regenerated heart. So I'm going to go to the first common question. I know this seemed like a big, long intro. Uh, we're like a little over 12 minutes into this episode, so I'll try to get through this quickly. Um, so the one I wanted to touch on was, does God love everyone? That's, I mean, it's such a big question, right? Uh, you know, especially with John 3, 16, I'm going to get to that. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's God's nature to love. We were created in his image, called to be sons and daughters to our father, to love, but love as God loves. That's Matthew 5, 43 through 47. So I'd say, I would say this about does God love everyone the same? Um, yes and no, because it gets, it gets much deeper to the point where man's mind can't just, we can't grasp, uh, you know, God's love. And you can read Ephesians three nineteen. you know, about, you know, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. As stated earlier, the way God loves is not like humans. Romantic emotions and feelings. God, encom- he encompasses love in a, in, in a divine way. You know, and on the other side of that is, you know, God says he hates, he hates the wicked. But it's a holy and just hatred. And it's beyond, beyond anything we can comprehend. But it is lockstep in line with his flawless character. God sees the heart, the pride, the intent, and chooses how he sees fit to accomplish his will and his redemptive plan. And I'm going to touch on um, Psalm 139. I'm only going to read 21 through 22, but really you should read you know, the, the complete, uh, that complete chapter. Um, 21, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They become my enemies. So I'm going to quote Ligonier here um, because I think they give it a great perspective with, uh, with, res- with respect to um, God's hatred. Here it is. Uh, to hate someone is to count them as an enemy and to treat them as an enemy. In the Bible, hatred is not an, an, emotion, an, an emotion primarily, but rather a covenant action. Those who treat God as an enemy will find God treating them the same way. Since they are his enemies and he hates them, he will destroy them. I, I think, I don't need to add anything to that. I think that was just, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, it's wonderful insight to something that's really kind of hard just to um, understand with respect to God's hatred. Um, God's love is perfect. It's consistent with his character his w- and his will, and his will is unfolding uh, as he sees fit with his redemptive plan. And we talked about that. So let's talk about God's favor. God's favor and God's providential love should not be confused. In Scripture, uh, it tells us to seek God's favor in Proverbs 8.35. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor with the Lord. God seeks those who love him. He knows the heart. He's God. You know, those, uh, you know, who love his commands and uh, he blesses and he, he helps and he protects and he guides them. You know, you can look at Psalm 37, 23, Proverbs uh, 3, 5 through 6. Um, and we, we went over Psalm, uh, Proverbs, sorry, uh, eight thirty five. So look at the classic definition for favor. It's approval, support, or liking for someone or something, a liking for someone or, or, or something. In the verb format, it's feel or show approval for or preference for. Um, God questions the, their website. Uh, it had a great, great little blurb. Uh, the best definition of the word favor is demonstrated delight. The favor 
of God can be described as tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. I love that. I actually love that site. So much great information out there. So we see favor. God favors. I mean, we see it in Scripture. Cain and Abel, for example. God's favor on Abel, not Cain. But still, God showed mercy on Cain and protected him. He protected him. He, you know, he's... He, he heard Cain crying out. In Genesis 4.4, 4, uh, while, Ab- while Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn of his flock, and the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Okay? So, um, just moving on to um, some more, just some great information. The soft and the hard sense of, of hatred can be put together this way. When God speaks of God's loving someone, it means he has chosen to favor them. Uh, and I'm tying this all together, faith, God's favor, hatred, and, and love. I'm trying my best. <laughs> Sorry. It, it means he's chosen to favor them. When it speaks of God hating someone, it means he's chosen not to favor them. Thus, we are to favor Christ and not favor the members of our family, for example. Thus, God favored Jacob and did not favor Esau. Thus, we favor God's friends and do not favor God's enemy. We see that in Psalm 139. Definitely read that. Favoring is a choice, not an emotion. When family members attack the church, we must choose to side with who? With Christ. When God favors us, it means he elects, he elects us. Those he disfavors, he leaves to their own damnation. And that's a lot of that was from Ligonier great resource. So going to the example of, of, of Jacob and Esau, Malachi 1, um, 2 through 3, and Paul quotes it as well, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. So God God chose through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, later named Israel, um, those to, you know, he that was the father of his chosen people through that line, um, the Israelites, and not Esau. He, he did not favor Esau. And his descendants, the Edomites. And this was all based on his will. His plans are not based on feelings or emotions. And it's to bring glory to himself in his divine plan. All Everything points to Christ and the cross. Everything. Uh, but, but the thing is, God, just like with Cain, God still, still um, blessed Esau and his descendants. And you can read that in Genesis 33. So this, so the same is true in the new covenant. You know, we're adopted in. God shows His love. He He chose to extend grace and mercy to the Gentiles. Romans eleven seventeen through twenty four. Um, you know, He gave sinners the escape in Christ. God loves everyone. Um, the same in 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 that way, providing the Lamb for all that will believe. God is compassionate. He's he's kind. He's generous, showing mercy to the worst unrepentant sinners. It's an act. It's an act of love. God's forbearance and patience should lead sinners to repentance. But you know, we do. Humans are just they spurn God. That's what they're great at. They spurn God. You know, outside of Christ, and 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 wrath is built up. God builds up wrath, and that's Romans two. Um, what is it? Four through five. So, so let's talk a little bit about the difference. God's universal love for all humanity, and we were touching on that a little bit. Um, and God's particular love for those who are given to the Son, to those who belong to Him. They're not. 
they're not alike. Okay, they're 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 not alike. Um, universal love, this providential love, is it's shared by all. You know that we all, as fallen beings, wake up every morning. If we enjoy God's blessings, the sun, the air, you know, all that is all all the good things in life. You know that God is showing love, a type of love, to um, to to everyone. He, he displays his love, not wanting anybody to perish, but calling them to repent. And you know the issue is mankind wants it their way, not God's. You know, and God's patience does have have an end. And those that reject God or twist God's word, you know, that end, that, you know, his patience and his love, there is an end to that. And that's not unloving. God, God loves all. He does. But scripture clearly says that, you know, these things about God and his love, the Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. It's the Psalms uh, 145.9. Christ Christ commands us to love our enemies, right? And the reason he does this, he, he gives this, um, you know, we read, in, in, in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous in Matthew 5.45. So the clear implication is that that in, in, in some sense, God does absolutely love his enemies— he loves, you know, he loves both the evil and the good, both righteous and unrighteous in Matthew um, 5.45. You know, in, pro- in precisely the same sense we are commanded, we must love our enemies. But again, going back to what I said earlier, there is, there is a, there's a time, a time limit. While he shows patience um, and love, it's for a time. Time will run out and unbelievers will face judgment. God hates the wicked, though it's it's a holy, righteous hatred against those that rage against him. We talked about that earlier, and they're doing the work of Satan. But even in even in that state of their of their wickedness, uh, God, out of His divine love, still offers them salvation if they would only repent and believe. This love does eventually end, and God gives the wicked what they want. He gives them over to their own wickedness. Romans one twenty eight, so this God's love is so has so many different facets. It's it's extremely it's extremely deep, and when you when you start really digging in and studying Scripture, it just there's so much that comes to life. So those that He calls His own, the love that love God's love is endless. We experience it here, yes, this side of heaven. His protection, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, the the blessing of glorifying God, and that communication we have through the Holy Spirit, in prayer with the Almighty God. Man, that's amazing. But this love continues into eternity. Forever we will experience God's love. And there's the difference. God loves those he calls his own in a just a, a, a way that I can't even put it into words. It just exceeds everything in comparison to this providential love. So let's 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 close things out with um, the most fa- famous scripture of love, John three sixteen, and and this verse needs to be looked looked at in the context of um, sixteen through twenty one, because you see, God so loved the world, and what's the world made up of? Sinners, and, sinners, right? Both unregenerate and regenerate. 
So there, there is no one, there's, there's no distinction in, in the world, in the verse, God so loved the world. This is, what, this is clearly what he's talking about, you know, between, there's no distinction between, you know, the wicked and the righteous, you know, not because not one is righteous, right? So Christ came to bring salvation to those who, who will hear his voice for those among every tribe and nation. So further down in verse 18 through 19, the writer calls out those who believe and do not believe from the whole world and explains the outcome for both, for both. So um, I'm going to move on in, and uh, for the sake of time to something John MacArthur um, said, and it perfectly really kind of sums up John 3.16 from a biblical perspective. Do we imagine that Jesus as perfect man loves those whom Jesus as God does not love? Would God command us to love in a way that he does not? Would God demand that our love be more far-reaching than his own? And did Christ, having loved all humanity during his earthly sojourn, then revert after his ascension to pure hatred for the non-elect? Such would be unthinkable. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. That's Hebrews 13.8. Moving on, those who approach this passage determined to suggest that it limits God's love misses the entire point. There's no delimiting, delimiting language anywhere in context. It has nothing to do with how God's love is distributed between the elect and the rest of the world. It is a statement about God's d- demeanor towards mankind in general. It is the declaration of good news, and it points and its point is to say that Christ came into the world on a mission of salvation, not a mission of condemnation. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him, verse 17. To turn it around and make it an expressive expression of divine hatred against those whom God does not intervene to save is to turn the passage on its head. So, B.B. Warfield and Calvin both shared similar views on John 3.16. That it should be interpreted as speaking of God's love to sinful mankind, the human race in general, which shows that from that standpoint of salvation, he shows his love the same to all wishing that one, not one will perish. Okay, so I think MacArthur nailed it. And... Again, that's in line with the views of B.B. Warfield and, and John Calvin. So we can look at the question, right? God, does God love everyone the same? And we can clearly say, we can, we can clearly see that it's, you know, there's so much more to that, to that than just that question. I think God looks on favor of those who, who, who love him. I think there's a different type of love. There's a providential love. And, and, and when we talk about God's love in John three sixteen, we can now kind of have a fresh look at it, right? Um, you know, so God, God so loved the world. So, it, and it's a wicked world, right? The world is wicked. And despite uh, that there's nothing good and really worthy um, in this world of his love, he still had a love for humanity. And he gave what? He gave his only begotten son, which is the, 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 the most blessed, dearest sacrifice uh, that that he could give. It's, it was him, all of him he gave to, for who? For whoever believes in him that they shouldn't perish but have eternal life. So at, at the end of it all, the end result is God's love. 
And that's the message. It's the free offer of life and mercy to anyone who believes, anyone who believes and puts their faith in Christ. So the gospel is indiscriminate, um, an indiscriminate offer of just divine love and mercy to, to anyone without exception. Okay. And that's, you know, that's God's compassionate love and kindness to all humanity. And, um, God knows the heart of every man, you know? So Jesus is the personification of the saving love of God, the father to the world. God shows all his perfect divine love every minute of every day by putting up with man's sinful stench and not wiping us out completely and gives us all the opportunity to come into a right relationship with him through Jesus. And that is love. And that is a love. He does love everybody the same in that sense with that, with the, with that free offer. That love is for all mankind. So our job as ambassadors of Christ is to spread that good news of that love year round, not just at Christmas, right? But plant the seed and it's for God to water and God judges the heart at the end of the day. So um, anyway, that's my first uh, podcast. I'm going to do some follow-up podcasts regarding God's love and kind of address some of those other questions. Um, and I apologize if I was a little all over the place, but there's so much packed in and, and God's love is interwoven with his favor and, you know, this holy and just hatred. It just, everything is interwoven. And, you know, I know we talk about like going down rabbit holes a lot and, you know, am I getting, am I getting off task here or there? But it is all related. It's, it's kind of an amazing thing. And I've talked to Nick about it. I've talked to Alex about it, but it's just all interwoven and you just end up going from one thing to the other when it, with all things related to God, because it's just an endless sea of, of wealth of wisdom and, and, and information and knowledge with, uh, that, that we receive in love. So thanks for listening. This is Anthony with Crisis Cure. Have a blessed day and have a blessed and, uh, just an amazing Christmas with your family. Take care. <laughs>